0: Hello, friends, and welcome to the Deeper Daily Podcast for the 19th day of the month of May. I'm Paul White, and it is my privilege to take you a little deeper into the second chapter, Paul's letter to Timothy, his first letter to Timothy, one of two. And we have started the chapter with what sort of appears to be instructions concerning prayer. I think there's a little more to it than that. I think that Paul opens the chapter with that first of all, I want you to pray for those in authority so you can live a a peaceable life. He's really just concerned for both Timothy and his young church in in the face of what is mounting persecution from the hands of the Roman Empire. He says it's right, it's acceptable in the sight of God. We talked the last few days about what that means. And that leads to one of Paul's first great theological statements of the book of 1 Timothy, and one that we are going to sort of slow down here today and concentrate on exclusively, and that's from verse 5. For there is one God, there is also one mediator between God and humankind, Christ Jesus, himself human, or himself a man, depending on your translation. And this is the humanity of Christ, as the mediatorial role, playing the mediatorial role, between the one God and the rest of humanity. This, let's start with the one God, because this is a fundamental affirmation of a very Jewish tenet, that there is one God. And you can stretch this all the way back to the Torah. In, in the early chapters of Deuteronomy, when Moses is recounting Israel's journey, he declares that God is one Lord, Paul makes a big case of this more than once. He does it in Romans 3. He does it in 1 Corinthians 8. He does it in Galatians 3. He does it in Ephesians 4. Paul, who is Jewish and who has that monotheistic, singular view of God in mind, likes to repeat it often, and yet Paul very much holds the supremacy of Christ and the role of the Holy Spirit. And that's why we still maintain in the Christian faith that there is one Lord, what Paul calls one Lord, one faith, one baptism, but that God functions as the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Well, in this role, he shows us the humanity of Jesus as mediator, one who arbitrates between God and man and ultimately reconciles them. So let's focus on this role of Christ, the mediator today. The saving ministry of Jesus is summed up in the statement from 1 Timothy 2.5. He is the mediator between God and men. And let me explain what I mean by the saving ministry of Jesus Christ, because he has a lot of ministries. But in this case, the mediator is the individual that brings at least two parties, you could have more, but let's, let's skinny it down, okay? They bring two parties into communication that might have been alienated, that's kind of estranged from one another, maybe at war with one another. And that mediator has links to both sides so that he can identify with both sides. It's as if he is a citizen of both countries. In Jesus' case, he is God and he is man, those are his lengths to both sides. He is both eternal and temporal. He has both that, those qualities of humanity and those qualities of God, and this allows him to identify as God and identify as man and then maintain the interest of both because that's what a mediator does. And they have to represent each side on the basis of goodwill. Now, we have a biblical precedent of this before Jesus. Moses, according to Galatians 3, was a mediator between God and Israel. He spoke to Israel on God's behalf when God gave him the law in Exodus 20. So in a way, Moses represented God to Israel. When they looked at Moses, they thought they were seeing God. That worked for purposes of being a mediator. And then, say, in Exodus 32, when Israel sins, Moses represents Israel to God, actually speaking to God on Israel's behalf. You know, don't wipe them out. They're your people. And we see that mediatorial role in Moses between God and Israel and Israel and God. And here's why we need it. Because we're fallen, By our nature, Paul calls humanity hostile to God back in Romans 8. And that means we've rejected him, essentially. God has the right as judge. We know he's judge even under the new covenant because we have come to Mount Zion upon which is the church of the firstborn And the festal array of angels and God, the judge, and Jesus, the mediator. Jesus, the mediator, because God is the judge, there needs to be reconciliation. So reconciliation of the parties when they're alienated from one another must happen at the hands of a mediator. So God has his end taken care of at the cross And then the human heart, which is that hostility towards God that opposes God, that lives its life against God, that heart then changes. It's God's mercy that sends us Jesus. Jesus is the reconciliation. And this is not Jesus sort of placating God's anger. This is God's initiative at the cross. Augustine said it this way, in a wonderful and divine way, even when he hated us, he loved us. He said that in his commentary on John. I've always struggled with Augustine's use there of hated us, but I think he meant, and I'm speaking from silence, I know, but I think he meant we were so, our sin was so offensive, but he couldn't help but love us in spite of ourselves. However you want to look at it. Jesus, as a mediator, is doing his Father's will. This is what you call the humble obedience of Christ. This is Jesus humbling himself even to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Tomorrow, I want to talk about the mediator as the reconciler because this is a very Pauline way of looking at the mediatorial role. And I also want to talk about Jesus as the mediator of a new covenant. And we'll get into those two topics tomorrow on the Friday edition of the DDP. I hope you have a great day. God bless.